Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with Levi Solicitors, who will offer you a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Still no Michael, but Rob, if you want to say the words, you can say the words. Is it Will's probate and conveyancing? The big three. My a friend actually recently told me that Michael needs to get a tattoo on his wrists of each one so he can do a Pablo Hernandez <laughs> when he says it. Very good. Uh, Moscow's here as well. Uh, we should say, if you want to sponsor the Phil Hay podcasts, because Levi's are doing these ones now, we still love Levi's. Thank you. But it means that a sponsorship opportunity has come up for the Phil podcasts Monday and Friday, twice a week. Big, big show. Get in touch with us, hello at the squareball.net if you want your company to be uh, to get the same treatment as Levi's, who who love what we do, I, I believe. So I mean I'm gonna have to get a new toe. Michael will. Well, Michael, yeah. Yeah, get this one on his You haven't seen the one on the back. On his face. Yeah. 10% discount on your legal fees. Levi'slisters.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Will's probate conveyancing and um stuff for your business and for you as well. Have a look at the website. For details, right then, the final pre-season roundup show before we get back into the normal format next week. Propaganda returns. The match ball returns. Other stuff returns. I just did that so we had things in threes. It's weird. All the Premier League teams are still on tour and just having friendlies and just getting idly and selling all the players to Saudi Arabia and don't seem bothered. And like we're playing on Sunday. Other teams are playing on Saturday. I think, is anyone playing on Friday? I don't dare look. <laughs> this is how little I, I'm, I feel prepared for the champo. I mean, this is our preparation level anyway. I'm I'm dialing up FOTMOB. I'm opening Friday the 4th of August and I can confirm that Sheffield Wednesday play Southampton at 8 o'clock Jeez. on Friday night in the Champo, which is where we will be. I mean, I don't have much uh, sympathy for Southampton fans. Obviously, their, their club came down with us, but Sheffield Wednesday on a Friday night to start the season. Jesus, that's not what you want. Obviously, the, the criticism of Leeds United for not being at all ready for this season is valid, but I do have some empathy for that position as well because it has crept up quite quickly hasn't it yeah I mean I know we're playing on Sunday but Friday does feel far too soon for a fixture but it is back to Ellen Road on Sunday you're on holiday Rob but um, theoretically would you be looking forward to it if you were here I actually am and I'm given, given the cynicism that has been rampant on this show for the last two shows well, with you two miserable miserable bastards this is what we wanted we wanted the proper stuff to start the authentic stuff like the championship bugger the Premier League it's rubbish but yeah I like watching Leeds United play I like watching people like Luis Sinistera score loads of goals so I'm excited for all that to start and then we don't have to keep talking about well we will keep talking about financial fair play and sign-ins and ownership and all that crap I want to watch Jack Harrison do a really good first touch which we will have to wait for but things like that is good and I'm disappointed I won't be at Ellen Road on Sunday albeit 
watching it in the sun with a beer, probably all right. Could be worse, couldn't it? Could be worse. Yeah, we're going to preview uh, the Cardiff game. Need to absolutely lock this one in, but Phil will be back from his holidays on Saturday. So hopefully we're going to do a live stream with him on Sunday morning. Normanton will be back from his holidays as well, just as you jet off, Rob. Must be nice, mustn't it, to be able to just jet off and have holidays, eh, Moscow? Well, this is the other part of, the, uh, of how you know that the season is starting too soon, is that all the holidays people had booked, assuming we would still be in the Premier League, are all happening now. That is and... the mistake I made, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we're not in the Premier League, it's rubbish. We're clearing the decks and we're starting again. That's part of why I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing a bit of uh, Farker ball, um, Leeds United passing the ball to each other and hopefully being better than the opposition. It was nice watching that against Hearts. It was, it was like, oh yeah. Let's not forget Forest as well because we, we, I don't think we've um, spoken since before the Forest game. So 2-0 at Burton, 1-0 at Tynecastle against Hearts. We were good in both, weren't we? We're going to win the league. But yeah, I, I only saw like the first half hour of the Hearts game. But it was the difference compared to last season was striking. Just watching the players look comfortable and actually respecting the ball and trying to keep it which is very very different from what we've seen in the last couple of years I did see I think it was um, somebody it was any news Phil on Wacko posted during the Hearts game can see why Phil needed brain surgery after years of watching these clowns about Hearts so I screen grabbed that and sent it to him and he he enjoyed that a great deal and said been waiting for some of this with lots of um, smiley laughing faces as well because I think if we entered the SPL we'd qualify for Europe every year we should maybe think about that is that where the new stadium's going to be? Well, in Glasgow. Yeah, just demolish this one and move it right <laughs> up north. Uh, just, yeah, shift it like the Americans do. In fact, that wouldn't be beyond mm-hmm. the wit and wisdom of the of the 49ers, would it, to move the stadium somewhere else? Yeah, what's the comparable distance? Is uh, where do they play? They play Santa Clara, don't they, instead of San Francisco? About, so. fo- about 40 miles or something, is it? It's a bit further than that to Scotland, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. But um, let's give it some consideration because it'd be nice to qualify for Europe every year. It has to be in Scotland. It's a lovely place. Right? It is indeed. But anyway, back to the football. We looked good against Forest, didn't we? I thought we we seemed to dominate the play there at the uh, the Pirelli Stadium. Bamford and Pervader with the goals. Bamford's was striking on a bit of good fortune and he rolled the ball across his foot and popped it into the net and Pervader with a nice finish. The one bit of good fortune Bamford has had in the last three years um, and it's all gone now. And yeah, Pervader seems to be the new Pablo Hernandez. I think that's why, you know, it's not only that we haven't really brought in any new players, but sort of pre-season doesn't seem to have it's very difficult to take any of the lessons of this pre-season into Sunday even though it's only a few days away because it just seems so preposterous that Jan Paveda is going to be the new Pablo Hernandez and what else what else have we really taken from pre-season Pat Bamford has got hamstrings made of candy floss I mean I mean was that the most Pat Bamford thing ever getting kicked in the face and then watching his hamstring pop in the same motion yeah that, um, that still you showed me of him yeah, just, just lying face on, down on the floor. Lying uh, on the grass. Thankfully, we've got a new striker. He's got Dan James. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're gradually, and especially because he'd come on earlier in the game because Wi-Fi had injured his ribs or whatever, old Ruter had had to go off. Wi-Fi. So, Dear me. He, it's just um, typical. You're, still, I mean, you're still thinking about the joke there, aren't you? It's bad news, like... <laughs> When you do see Pat just lying in the grass like that, it's impossible not to just feel bad for the fellow because if he didn't have any luck, well, all the luck he has is bad. So, no, and obviously he got all the grief for his celebration at Burton. Which was directed towards the Forest fans, I think. It was just it not? seemed, it, I don't know. Because they've been giving him lots of stick because he started out at the Forest Academy, he got poached by Chelsea and went off mm. there. They've been giving him lots of stick. So I think it was directed at the Forest fans, yeah. not Leeds fans. But even... It's a pre-season friendly. I don't know what the, the, the wisdom of 
just doing any sort of celebration in a preseason friendly just seems like like Luke Ayling when he scored, he didn't run and do the cartwheel because it's a preseason friendly and it's you know. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be funny in your opinion to see them properly going mad in a preseason friendly, going absolutely batshit mental? Well, it would. Have been. I would have liked to see Bamford actually heard all the the holdings and clatter a few. Panting Aaron. I mean, yeah. the goal was that good. He, sh- he should have been allowed to, quite frankly, when you sit a keeper on his ass like that. But I, I um, I almost quite liked the celebration because I kind of. I like bitchy Pat Bamford. I feel like that's what we had in the uh, promotion season a little bit where it was just a little bit snarky. You think, oh, maybe that's what he needs. But then, you know, a few days later and it's back to the Pat Bamford of the last two years where he's just broken again. Yeah, it is getting bad for him because I was thinking about this already um, at the end of last season about when was the last time Pat had just a good week because the goals he scored at the end of last season were all in desperate moments so we couldn't celebrate any of those. And I was counting back through as to when he could actually celebrate a goal. And there was the Brentford one when he equalised in the last minute, but he pulled his hamstring while celebrating it. So even that was not a good time for him. And then going back to that, the other goals he then scored were in uh, lockdowns. There was no crowd there. And then before that, you're going back years before he's had like a, a no worries, no pressure, no stress, enjoy the moment, celebrate the goal, celebration. So... Let him do what he wants at Burton. That was fine. I'd maybe, but now, given it's the last goal he's going to score for another three years, maybe like just enjoying the moment rather than sticking up the the Forest fans. But it's almost inevitable that within days of him finally having just a, a clean, simple goal, you think, right, good, Bamford's back. Bamford's bitchy. Bamford's scoring goals, and then three days later, Bamford's broken again, and you know it's got to hurt. That's the other thing that people. Always, about this if your hamstring keeps popping it's a painful thing to happen yeah. especially when you've been kicked in the head at the same time I wouldn't know what would you hold yeah what I want to be treated first but um, yeah and then sitting on a coach all the way back to Leeds can't do your legs any good surely they flew in this modern age no Farker was saying it was another long coach journey I no. think they might train have been, journey uh, now surely no nope. that, the, that A1 between Edinburgh and th- Newcastle is a right pain in the ass. I think Farkin he was adamant it was a coach I mean um, Pat Bamford is, is all for the planet yeah, he's not with, his, with his lightning thing. And he's, he's not going to get a private jet to trying. Edinburgh. He'll just drive should one have, of his two Lamborghinis. Should have made him walk. To the game itself, though, I mean, we were good, weren't we, against Hearts? It's, it's hard to, like you say, take too much from a pre-season friendly, but just encouraging things like passing the ball to each other. With every passing moment of pre-season, and it's almost funnier because we haven't really added to the squad all that much. I mean, Ampadu's been fairly central to it all, but with every passing moment, I've got more and more angry at the decision to put Jesse Marsh mm. in. 12 months ago, uh, well, prior to 12 months ago, actually, a long time ago now. And um, I thought, why? What, what was it that you saw or you thought was going to happen versus what we're seeing now? It's, I don't know, it, it seems to be a mounting body of evidence that that was an absolutely appalling decision if you didn't already think that in the first place. Liam Cooper's comments afterwards were very telling mm. in that he was saying when Farker first came in, the standards in the training were just way off because he was asking them to pass the ball to each other and they just didn't know how to do it anymore, basically. Yeah. And he was saying that was one of our strengths and also he mentioned the fitness saying you know it's no secret we just weren't fit enough last year and you just think does, like, does it make you feel like that the die was cast in terms of relegation almost last um, summer because they weren't fit enough they didn't know how to pass to each other and when it came down to the actual games we were conceding goal, goals late on we just didn't look fit did we a lot of the time do you remember seeing like the opposition cantering through and you think why aren't our players getting back and they just didn't have the fitness in their legs and Mark Rocker going off after an hour every game yeah like that that was a, one of the big signs why haven't we got him fit enough in Pre-season. And there's there's a response to that that often comes up, which is that 
why didn't the players take responsibility? Surely fitness is about you and you've got to, like, they should have wised up and done something about it. It's all very good. Mate, their, their lives are managed to within an, an, a, a millimetre, aren't they? They can't do anything for yeah. themselves. It's all done for them by fitness teams. And yeah. If you're at work all day being told what to do, then there's very little time left for you to then go and do more training to do the things that you actually need to be doing. So it's 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 a big ask for footballers to do everything that the manager is telling them to do and then go and start like another fitness program in the afternoons because, I mean, for one thing, they just overload and they probably just all get injured that way. And also there aren't enough hours in the day you are. And it's an interesting insight into the relationship between players and coaches and the extent to which players are just like almost drones of the coach that how much room there is for them to do their own thing there's not a lot when it comes to fitness and also um there's not a lot once pre-season has has done what it's done you're just not going to get to another level by just i don't know what you do go for a jog in the afternoon or something well, well, I mean, if, if you were doing excessive amounts of running on top of what you were being instructed to do in the at the club they'd be saying to you why are you doing this you're in you're in danger of you know knackering up your fitness whatever they believe your fitness to be anyway but yeah the point stands it was shit last season. <laughs> I didn't like it. And, and this, the, this, this lends more weight to the idea that, that Farker is light years ahead. But, you know, the yeah. proof will always be, of course, in the game. I'm trying to find, I can't find it now, but there was um, some of the stuff I was reading about Farker when he was coming in made him sound like exactly the manager we wanted when Bielsa was sacked because the lead up to Bielsa getting sacked was everybody was getting worried about we, well, we like the way we play, we like how much we attack, we like having the ball, we just want some structure in defence or a different structure in defence. And that's basically what Farker is it's all dominate possession but the, uh, Bielsa with love was the quote wasn't it like he's hammering them for fitness double sessions every day and he does double sessions during the season as well but he'll give them the day off rather than bringing them in the day that you know the day after they'll, they'll give them the day off rather than bringing them in again to do double sessions it was him describing how he was going to be at uh, Borussia Dortmund which uh, sorry Munchen Borussia Gladbach, which did not turn out the way it was going to be and yeah I found it it's like a, a load of text but it was basically that the way I play is dominating the ball, but making sure that we're ready um, to defend when we lose the ball. Um, oh, in fact, I have found it. So this is good. Keep talking and I eventually get there. <laughs> uh, the better you are in possession the be- and the better your possession, then the more likely you are to have a solid defence because when you have 78% possession, providing you're not scoring your own goals, then you shouldn't concede. That's a fact. Fact, he says. Then you also have more energy, power and concentration to focus on defending off the ball. Um, we also want to work on being a bit more dominant on the ball and having good structure in possession or being prepared for the moments when you have to defend. I think that was the crucial bit. That's what we wanted. The moments of transition. At the end of Bielsa is for us to be more prepared for when we have to defend. And we didn't concede any goals to Forrest or Hearts. So that's... Luke Ayling mentioned that, actually, didn't he, in his... um... In his interview after, was it the the Hearts game? It must have been, of course, because it was the second clean sheet. It's like, how long is it since we've had two clean sheets on the bounce? Even though the preseason friendly is it psychologically, what that does for the defence mm-hmm. is is huge. And you wonder um, how much more confident they are off the back of that. I think that's why it's encouraging as well, because a lot of the talk from Farker is this is going to take a bit of time, kind of see you at the start of September. But it's been a really short preseason. You know, they've played the scum game was a bit weird because he'd only just taken over and then. It was they were flying out far, to far too soon, wasn't it? But then they've basically just played three games in a week. That's our pre-season evidence of what's happening. And actually, you can see a pattern of play emerging and a style emerging, which he's managed to instill that very quickly. And if that's the starting point, that seems like a good starting point, I'd say. Yeah, very much so. The one fault with it, which you kick upstairs, 
and also into the treatment room is against Hearts. It felt like we had a lot of the ball and not doing a right lot with it. So we've won, we've one goal against Forest, two against Hearts, the one of which should have counted the Dan James one there because Bamford was basically cuddling the goalkeeper and it was two against Forest, wasn't it? That kind of just lack of cutting edge so far, but that's because we all know about that. So we'll sign a number nine, sign a number 10. Especially now if Bamford is going to just start his season lying in the grass sobbing, then we probably need to definitely do uh, something about that. But it's funny, I was looking back to the TSP Plus members survey that we did at the start of last season and Joffy Gelhart was, um, I think he had like 60% of the vote in second place for he was going to be our second player of the season. Second place for player of the season. So the And it's strange, I think if you, like what odds would you get on Joffy being our player of the season this year mm. nothing but there are still those there are those players still to maybe bring more to the table than Jesse Marsh um, gave them the plate to fill yeah, they went to the buffet and they came back and well yeah there was nothing at the buffet yeah. was there so far because actually put some um, some cold cuts out maybe some <laughs> some cheese some meat some, some cheeses some smoked oh we need Michael here for the accent sorry Rob Sorry, I'm not doing that. (laughs) So that when they bring that plate to the table, it's got something on it and they can feast. Um, And so players like Gelhart maybe have, well, they basically have this moment, don't they, before the transfer window ends. Joffe, Joseph, Perkins, Ruter, if he's not too badly hurt, maybe Bamford will resurrect himself dead quickly. Who else do we have who can play up front? Dan James. It's like their month to try and stake a claim while we're, hopefully signing somebody else. I'm I'm almost cool with like the lack of cutting edge though because after the last two seasons I just want us to start from basics again. I've, you know, we've conceded so many goals the last two years and we've been so frantic and just all over the place. I would like a settled back four which is organised. I would like a midfield who just pass the ball to each other and yep. build the ball mm-hmm. from the defence through the midfield to the attack. And you know, I think we probably do need a striker and number 10 would be great. But actually I think having kept players like Sinistera, Nonto, Somerville I do think there is goals there maybe it won't be as cutting edge as we want and as free free flowing as we want but I do think there should be goals there and actually I think having a settled defence and just doing the basics really well will take us quite far this season yeah because the standard in the championship is nowhere near as high Mm. as the the Premier League you can see it can't you and the other side to this is that when you get out of pre-season into the games proper it's a different atmosphere the crowd itself will will drive on the players and they're making, the, you know, they're busting the nuts to get on the end of balls or yep. make overlapping runs, things like that, which perhaps they're not doing as much of in pre-season because you saw what happened to Bamford when he pushed himself on a run. Ping! Yep. Hamstring goes. So you've got to be careful. With we saw what happened to him when the pressure was on in the full stadiums at the end of last season against <laughs> Leicester and Newcastle. But So different players respond in different ways. But it will be... I think there's a lot of... Um, this week, it's kind of like it's the sharp end of... It's the first sharp end of the transfer window. There's still a month to go. But this is the one where you sort of start to worry about is there enough, um, how it's going to be. But the the rest of the, just by necessity, the uh, the idea is that this team actually should be good enough to beat Cardiff and Shrewsbury. Don't know who we play after that. Um, Birmingham, I believe. Should be Birmingham. The Tyler Roberts play. So we've got, there should be enough as it is to deal with the first month of the season. And then it is about building from there and, and bringing players in. We need a midfielder as well, but at the same time, I would be, I'm glad if the starting midfield on Sunday is Ampadu and Gray, because that feels like the most fun possible. But Archie Gray can just 
play all 46 games without Sambira, <laughs> without Sambira Ming himself. <laughs> that would be great. But it's almost, um, it's an interesting time from that point of view for players like Gray and as I was saying before, those forward players, kind of let them have a go while we keep working um, at bringing in uh, players to help them. And yeah, maybe we need an understudy to Gray. And maybe that can be Tyler Adams when he's fit. <laughs> we shall see, eh? Um, Charlie Creswell signed a new four-year contract, taking the number five shirt. I mean, was anybody going to tell him no when he said he wanted the number five shirt? He looks amazing, doesn't he? His hair is fantastic. Look at you admiring him, quite a specimen, Rob. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's what, we should have like just a handsome football team. I'm up for that. But yeah, like, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see a bit of Creswell. I, you forget, he's only 20. Like, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on him this season. And you think, well, it's fine like, if he just plays 20 games or whatever. Right. We said before though he does carry himself with the the surety of of a middle aged man. You know, he just does not give a shit. <laughs> but yeah, I hope. I mean, I don't know where we'll start at the weekend, but uh, yeah, a bit more Charlie, Charlie Cresswell will be good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd hope for more from him wearing because Somerville getting ten uh, last it's, summer it still doesn't sit quite right with me. That <laughs> with the thing and that never quite um, worked out. I suppose he had some injuries and some birthdays and things going on last season and <laughs> and some good goals when he was. Um, keeping Jesse Marsh in a job so uh, thank you for that as well but yeah five is a interesting choice good choice and again a little bit like Archie Gray um, you wouldn't object to him starting in the back four on Sunday because he played here he played in this league last season with Millwall and they did all right and hopefully we have better players around him and hopefully than Millwall had. and hopefully a better style as well that yeah. encourages him to pass the ball. You know, he knows what he's supposed to do with it when he gets it. So that's good. And a four-year contract. And he says the right things as well about, I think um, with uh, the influence of Richard Creswell on him, it was quite funny. He did, um, he mentions in his interviews, oh, it's so good to sign this contract from um, from where I've come from. And I was like, your dad's a Premier League footballer, mate. He didn't grow up on the, 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 he was the born mean in, streets of Preston. Mate, he was born in Preston. Yeah, so that tough, was about, it's a, it's a tough life, a bad start. But he was uh, apart he was from that bus station. What's going on in Preston? Rescued for York quite early, so growing up within the uh, near the town walls. But he, that he's had that kind of grounding. Same with Gray, where they should just know what they're doing. They know how to be footballers because they've lived it their entire, since the days they were born. Um, so it shouldn't be difficult. And from, and from speaking, and he got to, a lot of that out of the way at Millwall as well. Yeah, we've had um, Hayden Evans on on the Phil shows before who runs the agency that looks after both Gray and Creswell and Shackleton as well and whenever you speak to Hayden you get the impression that they keep their young players grounded they want a certain mindset within their players like you can't imagine them managing Crescenzio Somerville and encouraging him to bugger off back to the Netherlands for his birthday when he's not allowed to little things like that mm. someone to tell them no yeah just waiting to see Charlie Cresswell's self-portrait on his wall like Ian Pervader <laughs> which is absolutely grand isn't it um, and he will potentially be taking one of the centre-back spots away from Max Verber, who has now completed his loan move to Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's a warrior, apparently. And you wrote an article, Rob, which I, I enjoyed on the, the website, which I think is, it hits it right on the on the nose, to be honest, which is he's absolutely got every right to go do what he wants with his career. And if he feels like a loan move is the right thing to do, fine. Doesn't mean we have to like him for it, does it? Indeed. And shite bag, I think you called him. Shite bag, indeed, yeah. But yeah, and it's... It's yeah, it's completely fair enough what he's done. But then when you hear him coming out with "I'm a warrior, I'm a leader," and it was when he first joined Leeds, he was stood in front of a wall with uh, side before self every time, and he says, "I'm going to give everything for this badge." And you think, well, yeah, but not playing the championship. Yeah, is that where everything ends. 
And, um, you know, it's one of these, like, he's been here six months. We don't really have much of an emotional connection with him. He got injured for a bit of that. He was good for a bit of that. He was bad for a bit of that. Crack on. Don't feel like I really yeah. know him. And, and also, that means I don't really care that much. He's Chris Armas, but he played. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's part of that, yeah. des- that desperate attempt to help Jesse out at the start of 2023. And, yeah, like, so, either gardening leave or Borussia Mönchengladbach. He did leave it open. He's like, um, I hope Leeds do really well while I'm away. So I don't know what part of what part of all this he thinks he might he might be able to come back. He's like, oh, oh welcome back. And that <laughs> Thanks angle, very much, Max. The angle as well of like wanting to um, make sure he's in the Austrian national team for the European Championships. And Rob's blog made the superb point I'd completely forgotten about. Andy Weiman doesn't seem to have a problem getting into the Austrian national team while playing for Bristol City. Is he still at Bristol City? Some know, championship club, somewhere, Watford, Bristol City, yeah. West Brom, someone like that. So, yeah, the idea that um, he can just swan off to the Bundesliga for a year, make sure he gets into the European Championship. He's just having a gap year, isn't he? Win that. He's going to win the Euros next year and then come back to Leeds because we're back in the Premier League and he'll, he'll, he's happy to, to represent us at, at that level. It's like, Max, I don't think life is actually that easy for footballers he- in general. He even alluded in his Instagram farewell to the fact that we're justified in thinking he's a shite bag. And he's like, yeah. I understand your disappointments with me, but I am still fucking off. I mean, I loved the, uh, <laughs> I loved the, um, the photo he chose for his Instagram farewell, where it's Matt Rocker, Weston McKenney, Rasmus Christensen, Max Verber, Brendan Aronson's there. Jackie Harrison is there, so hopefully that's not a, a sign. I think there is Bill Aylin in the background. Junior Furpo's knocking around as well. Do you yeah, think, actually, that the players that we have shipped out and you include Mark Rocker in that and, and just as another little sideline on that is that there are uh, rumours there's talk of us potentially trying to negotiate permanent deals for the likes of Rocker and Verber after the he, fact he's talking about himself Rocker he's, you know he gave his big farewell to Leeds it means so much you know I've, I've been so happy here and I've, 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 I've grown as an individual and yeah, all that, yeah. I've had a great gap here and then a week later it's oh yeah I'm, I'm thinking of joining Betis permanently hopefully hopefully that can get sorted this Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's interesting looking at the players that have been shipped out. A lot of the 
post-promotion auto signings are the ones that seem to be being ushered out the door. And you wonder, does that tell a little bit of a story about the dressing room dynamics that have been allowed to develop over the last couple of years, I wonder? Maybe. I mean, it, it was after the, was it after the Hearts game? Where it was Hooper's quote, which he said after the Spurs game, if you don't want to be here, then fuck off, came out. And I think I've said it on a podcast previously, but players like Rocker and Christensen, they've just never faced really adversity in their career to any great extent there. Their adversity has been going to teams like Bayern Munich and Ajax and sitting on the bench and in Rocker's case, you know, practicing yoga and meditation and stuff and just collecting winners' medals. And you think, well, that's not really what being a footballer is about. But I think kind of, you get a certain reputation and it kind of is, really. Like mm-hmm. you just get sent around Europe, live in nice places, play for quite big clubs, play in the Europa League and you don't really get judged on your... Oh, you're, not, you're not judging yourself on your success almost? Like I, I compared it last season to when Rocker was talking about being at Bayern Munich and he was like, oh yeah, I just couldn't get in the team. And he's like, but they had really good players, so you know, I was never going to get a game. And then you think back to the stories that James Miller told when he was at Man City and he was like, I was working so hard in training to get into that team and I felt like I was playing so well and I still wasn't getting picked and I was going home in tears because I just felt like I couldn't do any more and how much it meant to him. And you don't really get that impression from guys like that. because It's a fairly cosseted lifestyle, isn't it now? And and you know they're always going to get moves somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I suppose they've all just looked in the small print of the contracts and gone, hmm. I'll be all right either way. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't actually play, I have to play in the championship this season. So, yeah. I, so I won't. It's one of the interesting things about leaving Brendan Aronson on the pitch all last season was similar thing that I felt like last year was the first bit of adversity he'd faced in his young life because he's youth career getting into the playing in the MLS as a, as a practically a child and then moving to Salzburg and winning the league there and just you know Erling Haaland scoring all the goals so it's all pretty easy and then you get a move to the Premier League and everything's just up 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 and you're still only 21 and life is a dream and then suddenly you come back from the, and then yeah you're at the World Cup everything was going very smoothly for him and then suddenly like I think last season was maybe the first time he was in a situation where he's losing every week. And there's two parts of that is one, why would you leave a 21 year old just on the pitch in that situation when you've got perhaps matches click who could have um, helped him out and helped us out. But um, that bridge had been burnt by the coach before we got to that point. And then he just has to get through. And I don't think um, uh, Aronson fits quite into that category as someone who he didn't seem to like that by all accounts and by all appearances. I think it, it his inability to solve the problem um, frustrated him and is maybe something that he then works on in Berlin along with his physicality, as they have noticed. Yeah, the director of football at uh, Union Berlin pointed this out, didn't he? So yes. He needs to work on his physicality. That but, anti, um, The anti-American bias shining through again for all those USMNT weirdos who will jump on this. But it's all it's getting... It's not fair, uh, man. It's all... <laughs> Well, we had too many of those uh, players around. I think we had the, the players like Rocker and Berber who didn't particularly care what, what's happening to the club. And then you had players like Aronson who had never been in this situation before and didn't have the tools to do anything about it. And then you had the players like Cooper and Ailing, and um, you would include Bamford and Dallas for sure as the ones who kind of had been through it with Leeds and understand what it all means. But in a lot of those cases, couldn't do anything about it because their legs are knackered. Because yeah. um, Ailing was out for was struggling with fitness for quite a lot at the, the end of the season, and as said at the end of it, they weren't fit to start the season anyway because of the training that the coach had had them doing. I mean, and I think that's frustrating as well. When we talk about the personal responsibility, imagine 
being trained to a point that you know is not good enough for the level and then being sent out to play every week. Yeah, the other side to this is, talking about the dressing room dynamics before, you wonder with those players perhaps having diminishing, well, a diminishing proportion of responsibility. So as those players gradually get moved out of the the, the dressing room dynamic and they get replaced by newer players, it's a dwindling number. So the influence of that group, the leadership group, becomes less and less. And if their bodies are failing them or they're not doing it right on the pitch, you wonder what what knock-on effect that has onto the rest of the squad who maybe don't respect them as much and you wonder if maybe that's why all the new breed of players has been moved out or have been moved out It's interesting because I guess that group of players Aileen, Cooper, Dallas etc they would have owned that success of getting promoted and finishing ninth and they've basically been left to own the failure of getting relegated when actually the players like Rocker, McKenney, Christensen they were the ones that were meant to move us on and not get us relegated but mm-hmm. they've not owned any of this failure they've just all pissed off yeah I think that's where the frustra- that's obviously where the frustration comes from isn't it well with regards to the loan clauses can exclusively reveal this is exciting that um, Angus Kinnear normally comes on in the last couple of years he has done this week so just in the run up to the start, start of the season not doing that this year he is going to come on however at the end of the transfer window is he being loaned uh, to Luton something like that has he got a month away so we will ask Angus about that, but he's, yeah, he's going to come on the show and we're going to have a chat about this season when hopefully we'll be running away with it at the top by the time that he, he comes on at the end of uh, end of August, start of September, he's going to come on. So Because I think the we had a chat about it yesterday and he was just saying, well, we should have a much better idea about where we are at the end of the window. And rather, whether it's a good idea to come on a podcast or not, because if we're not top... Because I've said it now. third from bottom. I've said it now and I've committed him to it on the show, so he's got to do it. He, <laughs> he can't come on this week because he's busy writing his programme notes I trust I think he's busy signing a midfield Rob mm. that's, uh, that's exactly what and he said yesterday and a left back and yeah. a striker All and a number 10 yeah so um, that does hopefully show that there's uh, there's still more business to be done in the transfer window or he might just like, sit with his feet up for the next month I believe that's also what, he, what he's definitely <laughs> doing one, yeah. one of the reasons if he's pushing you down the lines like, I can't be bothered doing that I can't be bothered signing anybody <laughs> and I can't be bothered going on the podcast I'd either. rather just go watch Luton in the Premier League yeah it's but, funny I will come back to it. Are we going to talk about Cardiff in a bit? Yeah, well, I was, I was going to segue into uh, talking about transfer rumours then. Um, and we've been linked to Brandon Williams, who's no, thank you. the scum left back. Scum face. Yeah. yeah. He, scum he's, life. He's a big scum fan. He's got scum face. And he's a right little scum bastard, but mm-hmm. not in the same way as Dan James is a little scum bastard that we no. love. He's got such a scum face. We can't sign him. No. That's it. You just take one look at him and think, no. No, that, you're no Danny Pugh. You know Cameron <laughs> Borthwick-Jackson. <laughs> well, he's a bit Cameron Borthwick-Jackson, I think, given some of his history and sort of got a few games for scum when they had a few injuries seems like he's got a little bit carried away with that I think Moscow you wrote the daily email yesterday which had what he's been getting up to in the last year well it's just I followed a, a link to see um, about them because he'd been he'd been blaming a, miss, a goal on their reserve goalie and a, a friendly and then it's one of these websites where you scroll down it just gives you another uh, what's he called Brandon Williams story and not only were good I went down to, he was spotted inhaling laughing gas from a balloon in a Mercedes. And, um, oh no. What was his other <laughs> one? Oh, yeah, passionately, vehemently defending Harry Maguire, of all people. And like, if you're going to defend a player, and I mean, that's when you know he's absolute scum through and through if you're defending Harry Maguire. Like, Don't have a go at Harry Maguire. He's terrible. So welcome, <laughs> so welcome, Brandon Williams. Yeah, Lovely he, to have you for a year. Is, um, uh, is, he, is he with the first team or is he still in the, uh, the under 21s? He's, um, he's been playing with the first team in pre-season but I mean that, another reason why I don't really want us to sign him is that he played like five minutes of first team football last year and you just think let's just sign a proper fullback yeah 
He's a right-footed left-back as well, which I know Andy Hughes did it well. well Saka likes his inverted full-back though, doesn't he? He likes him to tuck inside. If we're doing that, just get Sam Byron. Yeah. Sam Byron's a lovely fella. Sam Byron doesn't have anything on his Wikipedia page about allegedly sending messages to people he shouldn't be on TikTok. It's always a bad sign. If a 22-year-old scum player, when you just have a look on Wikipedia and there is a section-headed controversy, yes, just, leave it. Just don't need it. There's not like that. Like the worst thing that Sam Byron's ever done in his life is is learn the piano because his knees didn't work. Um, <laughs> is that true? Apparently, I don't know if it's the worst thing he's ever done. In his life. <laughs> I, I, learned, I, meant, I meant learning the piano. piano. Yeah, he, there was Good. a couple of big interviews with him. At, um, the athletic did when he was at Norwich, and Jerry got a keyboard and just started playing playing the piano because he couldn't do much else. He was in a wheelchair at one point because when he was because um, his legs were so bad. And, it, and I remember the thing that always sticks in my mind from those interviews is that he got so bad that Daniel Farker realised that he couldn't joke with him anymore because he used to like going into the treatment room and go like, you're going to be back soon, Sam? And he realises that actually, I didn't need to Making him sad. It's not funny anymore. But um, I think Sam Byram should be, uh, this goes to the transfer rooms. Yeah, just give him a contract. What's the worst that can happen if he gets injured again? We just... Yeah, give, it, give him a year. We can play left back, right back. We give, yeah. Football clubs give money to such arseholes. I mean, that's the other thing about this. Brandon Williams' character is apparently he's on 65 grand a week. So, you know, a tenth of that going to Sam Byram um, is still, you know, many thousands of pounds more than I get a week. But fine. In the, the crazy world of football, I don't think it's a particular problem. And if you go back through history, when um, the whole problem with Byram leaving was because Massimo Cellino tried giving him a new contract with a pay cut. So we probably do actually owe Sam Byram some back pay, whether he can play this season or not. We need to like settle up um, what um, Chile... That reminds me, we need to talk about Rob. We need to talk about Rob's contract, don't we? Well, do you know what? You're a day late. You had yesterday, you could have got rid of me for free. Because you can get rid of somebody with any time within the first two Mm. years, can't you? So is is that two years now? So now I'm a drain (sighs) on your resources. We have to go through the full HR to manage him out now. I think that's just Aldi having a word. (laughs) Can you play the piano? Um, I can't know. Ah, well. Yeah, so, Sam Byron, just give, give him a contract. Seems like a nice guy. And we haven't got any other anyone else to play left back, well, have we? What I was so. going to say was, though, we'd like Sam Byram and the things that they're looking to do. And I know we've only had a couple of players come in in the form of Darlow and Ampadu, but it feels like they're trying to. And the way Farker's talking is where I'm mainly drawing this from. He's trying to build a squad that can sustain across the whole season. I mean, the next few weeks will be the proof of that, I guess. Um, either way, but um, I like the idea of having more than one person for a position. Or in some cases, as we have had in the last couple of years, nobody. Yeah. I mean, that's the situation at left-back, is that there's Yelda. Who else? Who's a bit of a centre-back yes. as well. I mean, Junior Firpo, technically, but I don't count him. He's got his, his pre-season injury again. So that's not going to work. So there isn't really anybody else. We've never even had one in the under-21s. Who was playing left-back for the under-21s? It was that right-winger, wasn't it? Charlie Allen, yes. yes. Chris Moore's played there. He's a centre-half. Uh Seb Carroll's son has played there who I think yeah, is a winger. a winger the year before that it was Liam McCarran who's a winger it's mad isn't it it's given how many left footed players we've signed in the last couple of years which is a high proportion I would argue mm. that we never actually got a left back properly it, it's the same as um, and we can this will lead into Darlow eventually but with the goalkeeping situation when you look back through the goalkeepers that we had through Victor Rort's time here um, who was the reserve when Bailey Peacock Farrell was actually our goalkeeper who was on the bench I Will Huffer remember. Will Huffer of course because he played didn't he <laughs> yes. so we had we had a 19-year-old backed up by like a 17-year-old and then we moved on from Peacock Farrell to we got Casilla in place of him. So yes, he granted he was... Nice to get that good experience, European Cup winners, medals. An older gentleman. And then then we just went back to Ilan Melier with Christopher Klaas and 
And Danny, there's like not a goalkeeper over 22 in the building. And I've that said, seems, are you saying having grown ups around is a good thing? Well, maybe, but he's just more in retrospect. And in fact, we flagged it up at the time. We, we always knew this was happening. It was always kind of fascinating about Victor Orr. We'll, we'll not have a goalkeeper over the age of 22 unless he's won the Champions League with Real Madrid and will not have a left back. There's like the two things that will not happen. And there was always that the little bit of um, what's his, his new season roulette going to be like when we go into a season without any midfielders. It's like, well, just because like, that's this year's experiment. This year, we're going to try it without any left backs. This year, we're going to try it with only children playing in goal. It's like have a little handicap for yourself, like see how it is for your, uh, for your, your golf. I'm going to play off this 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 time. I'm going to play off. I'm going to play left-handed Handed instead of right-handed. Yeah, it? all that stuff. And um, so we don't have any left backs. And Sam Byram is probably not because of his fitness record um, the left back that we want to rely on for 46 games. But assuming we get another left back at some point from somewhere, if the backup to them is Sam Byram, that's a good left back. So bring now, him home. All I was going to say about Dallas specifically was great fee, 400 grand. Mm. Can't argue with that. And Mark Beanie, yeah, I think isn't we it? paid 350 grand for him in 1992. And he's, he's got remarkable teeth. Very, very, very pleasing national. 93 before somebody picks me up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, good solid addition to the squad. Um, we will do the full preview of Cardiff with Phil because he's going he's gonna to have the previews this year. As he d- We're stripping him out of the weekly show because our research is so bad. Uh, we just look at who scored.com and repeat what they've said. But let's get, we'll get genuine footballing insight from Phil. He's not watched Cardiff. Well, he's been on holidays. So well, exactly. He's going to know nothing more about Cardiff than <laughs> All right, then he can sound more convincing about Cardiff than maybe we do. Yeah, he's got that. He speaks well, Phil, doesn't he? <laughs> but, um, it's very persuasive. We'll just round up the show uh, by having a quick chat about it, if you fancy, and um, how you feel like it's potentially going to go, this one. We'll beat them. Cardiff are interesting. Uh, they are under a but transfer embargo. Bargo, isn't it? Yeah. They've signed more players than it's, we have. That's that's down to Emiliano Salah and the fact that they've not paid the instalments for him, isn't it? Um, yeah. They're allowed to sign free transfers, but nobody that attracts a fee. Yeah, I just find it hilarious. I can just see Moscow looking at the Wikipedia page for yep. Cardiff here. I've got it open right now. 24. They did leave. They've allowed Connor Wickham to leave. So if we do he need... He played for Cardiff. Yeah. God, we have been paying no attention to the championship whatsoever. If he does need... Uh, he played 12 games and scored one goal. So if we do need somebody up front, he knows the club. So we can bring Connor Wickham home. We can get him back on long throws. That's what we did last time, wasn't it? There was a little bit of a preview on the BBC. So their their manager, Errol Balut, is their new manager. And he said, uh, generally, our pre-season games that we played, they were good. The games in Portugal, I was very satisfied. We lost the games. But in general, what I want to see from the team, I saw it. So that's good. So what he wants to see from the team in general is losing in Portugal. So they're they're on track for that. So if we can maybe go a bit Wolves and put some Portuguese flags up, we get wear a, a red and green kit and make it feel like Portugal again, and they they just can't win there. So that's good. So we were talking about moving Leeds into the Scottish League. Cardiff um, should definitely not leave the English League, where they're lucky to be playing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, go to the Please Portuguese leave your thoughts League. on that in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we know about. Um, <laughs> the visitors from uh, over the border. I, uh, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, I'm going to chat. We'll chat about this with Phil, but I'm, I'm feeling confident going into the start of the season. I know people are uh, a bit anxious about the lack of transfer activity, but I just, I, like you said, Rob, I think we've got plenty of attacking, uh, attacking spunk in us. So um, it'll be interesting to see how we uh, we. Um, 
with those inflict, exact inflict, words. Inflict, inflict that on Cardiff. I meant I meant spunk in the non-body fluid sense. Yes, let's spunk all over Cardiff. I've probably got to the stage of preseason now where I've convinced myself I'm going to win the league, mm-hmm. which is nice. Well, and this is the time to do it. This is the time of great optimism and positivity. You can never be more optimistic than you are going into the start of a season because there's no data to base mm. it on. I know I'm a complete fool. We're going to lose in the playoffs, but fair enough. It's fine. It does feel a little underprepared, and this is where I was going to before. I noticed that tonight, as we record, it's Wednesday, the 2nd of August. Tonight, there is a friendly between Wolves and Luton Town. Like they're both in the Premier League, and yet they're playing a friendly against each other. And I, it Imagine made, we did that last year with Villa and Palace, didn't we? So We did, and I, it, it made me feel... Um, they broke Archie Gray. We needed a... That was at least... That was a tour in Australia, though. This is just happening... Um, just seems to be happening for the sake of it, like a practice. And it did make me wonder if this week, maybe because the preseason has been so short and everything's come around so quickly, we should have just like asked Cardiff if they wanted to have a practice match. So play a preseason friendly, maybe tonight, and then play the actual game itself on Sunday. Yeah. Same. Same. So we both know a little bit more about what we're getting into. Mm. Um, help each other out. It's like, Cardiff, do you know what you're doing on Sunday? It's like, no, not really. Well, should we give it a rehearsal? Rather than it's like a wedding rehearsal, isn't it, for your big day? Exactly. So we all go through it once and just see. Everybody knows where to stand and what to say, who to kiss, and then do that again on Sunday. Sounds like a great plan. Uh, we will be back previewing, hopefully, I need to get Phil's agreement to this, but he's, he's sort of agreed to it in theory. But we'll be back on Sunday morning, morning of the game, to have a preview of that and the season. And he'd better have some intelligent insights into what Cardiff City have to offer. I want a player-by-player breakdown of the entire squad. I want minute-by-minute um, minute from their pre-season friendlies. I've already told you, they lost some games in Portugal, so he's got, that's the baseline that he's got to justify himself. Um, I like getting, how this has become about, more. about Phil. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, people are going to be tuning in to find out whether we're going to beat Cardiff or not, and he needs to deliver on that. So he'd, he'd better be interesting and right. So we will be uh, analysing the game afterwards as well, the match ball on Sunday, which will be fun. Enjoy your holiday, Rob. Thank you very much. I might even tune in. Yeah, uh, expect your resignation letter before you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll be back here yeah, with a uh, preview with Phil. Angus Kinnear, after the uh, the transfer window has closed. Look forward to that one and we'll see you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 